You like Fireboy? I do. You're listening to Your Tables on Fire. A weekly conversation with the hottest game designers on Kickstarter. Here comes your host, Jeff Beck. Well, hello. Thanks for tuning in to Your Tables on Fire. This is episode number 47. Okay, with me today we have a special guest. This is David Fuden, the designer of Yukon Salon. David, welcome to Your Tables on Fire. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. Uh, David, why don't you take a minute and just tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, Sure. Uh, So I'm a game designer and occasionally artist uh, in Seattle, Washington. Uh, I've been working on tabletop games in one form or another for a long time. I used to uh, illustrate for a lot of role-playing games and card games and things, then kind of started designing uh, my own stuff. Hmm. So when you say uh, a part-time artist... Is that just because you used to do it and now you really don't, or do you still dabble in the the artistic dark arts? <laughs> I, I I dabble a bit more for my own projects uh, as opposed to uh, it being the thing I pay the rent with. Like I, I have a, a regular day job and everything too. Mm-hmm. Don't we all? <laughs> Sad yeah, but true. Yeah. <laughs> now, so let's uh, let's take a trip down memory lane real quick, and why don't you tell us? What was the very first game that got you hooked into tabletop games? Hmm, uh, it's hard to say. I mean, I mean, I've, I when I was a kid, I played things like Monopoly and Sorry that that everyone's everyone's played here. Probably Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, okay. I remember uh, even before I started playing actual D and I remember getting a lot of the toys in the eighties uh, and, and watching the cartoon. And uh, you know, surprise, you admit to that. Oh yeah, no, I love the cartoon. I mean, it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't hold up now, but at the time it was pretty awesome when you were like 10. Yeah, um, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I started uh with the the D&D box sets, you know, not the Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, the the Dungeons and Dragons. The Advanced would come later when I was uh, was more That's too advanced at the time. Yeah, oh no, far too advanced. Um <laughs> and even then I you know, I when I was probably around 11 or 12, I actually started writing modules uh you know getting inspired by the modules that i'd read and writing my own adventures and i mean they were terrible but (laughs) you know i kind of had that bug to to make something in that in that playground Hmm. and so do you still play D &D today uh a little bit i actually just got some fifth edition books uh my daughter's 10 and i'm gonna be running a campaign for her and some friends oh very cool very cool. Uh, you you might have to tone it down for a ten year old crowd, though. Right, right. Yeah, less uh, less less murder and horror stuff, and you know, <laughs> that's cool that's things. fair. Yeah, she, she she's pretty enthusiastic about it. No, oh, that's very cool. What uh what are you playing these days then? Uh, for tabletop games, let's yeah. see. Uh, well, I mean, with my daughter, I play stuff like uh, Red Seven and Love Letter. Um. Uh, there's this game, what is it called? Uh, Dale of Merchants. It's like a little uh, deck building game. Yeah. All kinds of stuff. I just got her into magic a bit. And uh, Adventure Time Card Wars, which is sort of like Magic Light, but set in the uh, the Adventure Time cartoon world. All right. Uh, and myself, uh, just you know, with, with, with grown-up gamers, um, <laughs> what am I playing lately? 
Uh, I like a lot of story games, uh, like you know, Fiasco and Microscope and that kind of stuff. Uh, and yeah, you know, I, I play a lot of my own games because I'm always play testing them. Um, yeah, I know how that goes. Well, so you know, we'll talk a little more about your game in a minute, but you know, you mm-hmm. talked about how you, you kind of got in with with D and D and and these storytelling games like Fiasco. So I guess why are we here to talk about a card game and not your new role playing module for you know Pathfinder <laughs> or something? Uh, well, you know, I, I actually did do some role playing game design. Uh, it's kind of what, what got me into tabletop design. Uh, so uh, back in the very late '90s, we, uh, myself and a couple of other a couple of friends designed this role playing game called Continuum Role Playing in the Yet. It was a very '90s uh, time travel game. Mm-hmm. It was it was uh, one of those indie RPGs that got some some really good critical praise, but you know we did a very small print run. We didn't sell a whole lot of them. And uh, then we did another game based on. A uh, property called Chichan, which is this 31st century dark fantasy written by a, a friend of mine, this musician and artist Voltaire. That also didn't sell very well because you know indie RPGs aren't. You're not in that for the money, um, <laughs> right? But we actually so the what got us into tabletop design. I used to go to these conventions in the 90s and early 2000s. I mean, you know, today still. Uh, but I would go and I'd mostly play role playing games. And I was starting to see an influx of, you know, Euro board games like Catan. And it wasn't the thing I was focused on, but I would see it more and more. And I started getting into it. And I think the thing that really kind of converted me was uh, was Puerto Rico. It's actually a really solid game design. Hmm. Um, And so my friend Chris and I, who I designed the role-playing games with, uh, started working on this game called, Oh My God, There's an Axe in My Head, the Game of International (laughs) Diplomacy. Uh, and we, we were actually at a uh, a game demo of the Chichan role-playing game that no one showed up to. Uh, so we were just sitting around talking, and Chris has this page on his website that's got, I think it's 112 translations of the phrase, oh my God, there's an axe in my head. Uh, <laughs> this long-running internet joke since like the Usenet days where this email got passed around, and, and, people, and it got accumulated different translations people would add to it. And Chris was involved in that, and he put up a page with just sort of to to archive all of that. And he was saying it got a lot of hits on it. It was like a couple thousand hits on a month on his site. And I was like, we, we, we make games. Can we make a game like explaining why you need 112 translations of the phrase? Oh my God, there's an axe in my head. <laughs> um, and the premise for the, so the premise for the game is the one that made us laugh the most uh and so it's it takes place in 1920 at the first meeting of the league of nations in geneva mm-hmm. and the swiss who are quite proud to host this event have hired their world famous uh axe juggling troupe to provide some <laughs> much needed entertainment and the axe jugglers of course go insane and start to hurl their axes into the audience chamber and you've got to get your panicking delegation uh out of there alive while conducting diplomatic affairs <laughs> wow that's pretty it's a, amazing. It's a mouthful. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a. Uh, uh, so we made that game. Uh, I, th- I think I finished. We finished designing it around two thousand six, and shopped it around, uh, and wound up having a publisher pick it up in two thousand and eight, and they ran out of money a couple years later, and wound up never producing it. So we got the rights back. And you know, in 2009, Kickstarter launched, and it was in the very early days, and we saw a lot of uh, really cool board game projects on there. I think the biggest one that I recall at the time was uh, 
about 70, 80 years, 70 or 80,000 uh, dollars that I had raised. Uh, I think it was eminent domain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we we're like, hey, you know, we can probably publish this. I mean, we know how to make books and things. And, you know, I can, I can contact some print vendors and get this made. And, uh, you know, got some print quotes and put up a Kickstarter. And we, we successfully Kickstarted it. And then I ran into all these production issues and I wound up, so the Kickstarter was uh, in the middle of 2011 and it wasn't until the end of 2013 that the game came out. But I did, I got it made, delivered it. Uh, There were plenty of people who were awesome and patient and there were plenty of people who, well, yeah, I wouldn't say plenty. There there was a vocal minority uh, as I think uh, there are in a lot of Kickstarters if you're late, uh, people who were very upset about that. Yeah, I I, it was, I learned a lot about making games by making <laughs> a game, uh, and and learned uh, certain things to watch out for with manufacturers that that shall remain nameless, but uh, that I do not like. It's one of the few times I've ever yelled at someone over the phone was uh, when they told me that they were not going to have the the games that uh, I needed at Gen Con. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, wow. So so after that yes. print run, did you do anything with the game? Uh, no, I mean, it's, uh, I, I didn't make any expansions for it. I mean, I had some ideas, but, uh, it, yeah, it, it's sold a bit. I think this, this is common in, in tabletop publishing, especially these days when there's a lot of small publishers that, that kickstart their games. You know, it had some pretty good sales the first few months and, and it trickled down a bit and occasionally get a review or something and then it'd pick up a little, but, uh, overall it, it, uh, certainly did not make any sort of profit. I mean that uh, it, it it but you know it's it's kind of a a foot in the door as a game designer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know I I am now a published tabletop game designer, uh, right? Self published, but I, I've you know I've I've uh, paid my dues. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I go to conventions and I work the convention and I I demo my games and uh, I get to meet like other cool game designers like you and. Like I'm, I'm kind of at whatever level I'm at in that club of you know people who run a Kickstarter and made a game, right? And, yeah. And now, years later, after having learned some lessons and you know thinking about it a lot, I'm, I'm right. getting now, now back you have on the, the horse. The war scars and, you know, to prove you know yeah, your stuff. Yeah, I'll make different mistakes this time. <laughs> uh, uh, but you know, I'm 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 a bit older and wiser, and and uh, you know. Doing being being a bit more cautious about this one as well, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, yeah, uh, making a game that's easier to make too because this this new one is just like a deck of cards and some dice in a box, and it's a lot easier to make than a, a big strategy game with a lot of like a lot of pieces. Well, and fit, fitting that axe in the box, I'm sure wasn't easy. So. <laughs> yeah, actually, you know, there's about uh, how many axes are in that? There's at least like thirty some odd axes in that. <laughs> There you go. Well, yeah. that that perfect segue that brings us to Yukon Salon. So, mm-hmm. for those that are not familiar with the game, can you give us a pitch? Uh, sure. So, Yukon Salon is a game where you're playing a stylist in the frozen territories of the Yukon, where your st- your your clients are grizzly bears and lumberjacks, uh, because of course they are. Um, and the grizzly bears are there to get their hair styled and the lumberjacks are there to get their beards styled and the styles that you know how to make as a stylist can be applied as either. So you could have a bouffant <laughs> hairdo on the chin of a burly lumberjack or, you know, some kind of 
crazy wigged out style on top of a, a perhaps upset grizzly bear. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, obviously the first question is what on earth were, where did this come from? That's, that's amazing. Uh, thank you. Uh, so a couple of years ago at Gen Con, I was at a talk that uh, James Ernest uh, of Cheap Ass Games, a well-known game designer, he was talking about playtesting. And my mind wandered a bit. And uh, he's a fellow that's got a beard. And I had this thought about beards. And I was like, oh, I wonder if you can make like a beard game. And I was like, I was thinking about those world championship uh, beards that they do every year. They have like all the really crazy styles right. they make. Right. And I was like, can can you gamify that? Like, how would that work? Would you have like a face card, and then maybe would you like play like hair around it? How like how would you style it? How would you score it? How would the game end? Like, kind of just going over the 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 scenario in my head of like how that would work. And I started making some sketches and jotting down some ideas. And I drew this little card with a face on it with like the chin cut off, and then like a little card underneath with like a little you know hairstyle, and. I, I thought of the, 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 the title Beardos popped into my head. Not not the greatest title, but it was there. So I just, <laughs> I just, wrote, it, somewhere. I just wrote it down. And right. seeing, it, seeing it written down as opposed to thinking about it in my head, I, I was like, oh, no, that'll never work because someone can mispronounce that Beardos. And I was like, oh, my God, Beardos. Bear <laughs> hairdos. And then I next to the little drawing of a card with a face on it, I drew a card with a little bear and I drew the same card with the hair on the bear's head. And I was like, that's really funny. That's got to be in the game now somehow. And, uh, uh, if so, for a couple of weeks in, in my head, it was just kind of percolating, and I was I was thinking about it. I was thinking of calling it Beardos and Beardos, and had this idea for like a you know old timey barbershop sign with like the scroll work, very very hipsterish, right. uh, right. with like Beardos, Beardos. Uh, and I, I did a little world building in my head. I was like, well, right, well, where would this this strange thing take place? And uh, so where where are there lumberjacks and grizzly bears? I was like, well, Alaska, okay. Was, where, where are some cities in Alaska? There's like Juneau and Anchorage, and, and thinking about other areas there. I was like, well. You have this salon. What if it were in the Yukon? I was like, oh my God, stop right there. We're done. Yukon salon. That rhymes. And that, that just, it's like a really catchy name. And it's, it's kind of unexpected. See, those two things don't really go together. Um, right. Although I have uh, done some Googling and there, there are salons in the Yukon, but none of them are named Yukon salon. No one has what? thought of it. No, and I own yukonsalon.com. I am no the first way. person to think of this. <laughs> My weird brain <laughs> is the one that came up with that. Wow. I don't know if that's like an honor for you or if I'm a little bit embarrassed. It's so one it's, or the other. Why not both? It's it's a dubious <laughs> honor. That's that's fair. So so when you're done and you have it published, are you going to ship a copy to these salons in the Yukon? Uh, you know, I should. I should find them on Facebook or something and see if they want to buy a copy. <laughs> you know, I mean, why wouldn't they? Wow. Okay, so you, so you explained the theme to us, and that sounds crazy. But what about the mechanics? How does the game play, and, and does it? How does it feed into this insane theme that you have worked up? Okay, so there there is one really. I don't know if it's the most unique mechanic because I've seen other games that use some storytelling. So so the the basic strategy of the game is you've got to combine the the clients and the styles for different amounts of points and different abilities that they give you. Like whenever you style a client, you get some abilities. It could be you draw some cards or you get a bonus to your roles. Uh, and they, they all have different ones. But 
if you fail your attempt to style a client the first time, you can get another chance, but what you have to do is a bit of role play. You have to talk your client into the style and basically make claims about this style. And they can be completely ridiculous. And I, in fact, encourage them to players to, to make ridiculous claims about it. Um, the only rule is they have to be unique. So you can, you know, early in the game, you can get away with, oh, this makes you look taller, or it goes great with your eyes, or, you know, I saw Ryan Gosling with this beard on a <laughs> blog last ones. week. Right, but, then, but they have to be unique. Once they get said, they can't be used again. So then you have to start coming up with things. And there's sort of this natural kind of narrative that arises in the game because you've got these clients with these evocative illustrations sometimes they're friendly looking sometimes they're not and they have weird names uh and then this style which also has a weird name and so you're trying to convince this this character to do this strange thing um to get a chance to make them have a silly hairdo which uh, i don't know i've I, which I've never seen before I came at least. Um, and I always try to do something new and unique because I'm an indie game designer. I can, I can make a really cool fantasy game, but there are so many good fantasy games out there on those game store shelves that are great to play and have a lot of advertising behind them that I would have to compete with. I want the game with my name on it to be the one that someone pauses and looks on the shelf and goes, what the, what is that? <laughs> and for it to be an awesome game to play. Like it has to right. catch someone's eye and be a unique concept and be a cool game. Well, that's a tall order, but you know, yeah. it all, all, all signs point to that you've nailed it. So thank you. Kudos to you. Yeah. So when you first started working on Yukon Salon, was the gameplay fairly similar, or has it evolved much? Oh, it's evolved. There's been at least five or six major like redo iterations from the ground up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the basic premise was there of you have bears and lumberjacks and styles, and the style can be either thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but how that works has been vastly different. So after at, at PAX West was two weeks after that Gen Con where I came up with the idea. So I put together a really, really basic prototype to play test it packs. And the idea in that one was the bears and lumberjacks didn't like each other. So you would have to collect sets of either and you have to collect the most before the end of the game. But if you forced someone in a position where they had to take uh, a car, a bear, if they were collecting lumberjacks with a bear or the, whatever the opposite was, uh, it would they would lose their other clients. So if like a bear shows up and you style them, the lumberjacks are like, oh, and they leave. <laughs> and uh, it was sort of a either try and collect the thing or try and break up what your opponent has kind of game. I mean that was okay in theory, but it it wasn't that fun to play. Right. I, think, I think once you play it once or twice, you kind of get it, and it's like, all right, it's, we're done here. Um, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I had a lot of games. I mean, that, that's. I, I think I hear every game designer say this when, when they talk about game design is just get your game to the table quickly and start playing it and figure out what works and what doesn't. And like, I knew the fun thing was the, you know, putting the hairstyles on the silly characters and like, that's great, but it has to be more than that. It has to actually play well and be balanced and have some elements that are going to be different and appeal to different gamers. And there's, there's a, there's a lot that goes into it. I mean, I worked on this on and off for a couple of years before it was really ready and really up until uh, like five or six months ago, I mean, there were still like little finishing touches I put on it. Mm-hmm. Well, how, how did you know moments before you hit that launch button on Kickstarter? How did you know 
this is this is now ready after all these years of working on it. Uh, well, I mean, it was there was a while between that happening and the, the Kickstarter button launch. <laughs> well, fair uh, enough. But, but uh, I think when there was nothing that felt off, I mean, there it's, it's a bit of art and a bit of math making games. Um, like for a long time, the thing that was eluding me was the scoring mechanics, and I finally made that work without it being clunky. Like I had these this idea where you were still building these sets and you get certain bonuses depending on how you built them, but I was making the player do a lot of work and think about it while they should be thinking about just playing the game. Uh, and I finally was able to roll that into uh, aspects of the cards. Uh, and I think the last so the last finishing touch came from uh, I, I have some friends that I play test with pretty regularly and uh, there are a few of them that are like my favorite play testers because they play a lot of games they're they they're great at picking them apart and they uh, will come up with with great suggestions and uh, one of them made the suggestion so so the, the range of numbers on the cards used to be one to six for the styles and the problem with the one is it's kind of boring and you don't really want a one like it's not not that great score wise like you 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 basically you have something in your hand that you don't want to play and right. came up with the idea to make it a variable make it an x so it would match the the points on the client card which is great because it can either make something easy just a quick thing that's easy to take early on or it could be used on a high-scoring card to be a point grab towards the end of the game and be maybe a little riskier maneuver. Mm. Um, and uh, it just, it, I don't know, it felt right. Right. It seemed to work. Right. Well, now, so now we're here, you hit that button, and you're on <laughs> Kickstarter. So how are things going for you? Uh, really well. Um, I, so I... You know, hit the digital bricks and, and uh, contacted a lot of reviewers beforehand. So I got... Uh, some both both a boost of the you know the reviewers audiences getting to see it and uh being able to there there's sort of a formula for making a kickstarter and one of those things in, in games is to to be able to, to to be vetted by reviewers to have you know some quotes and and to be able to say look people have played this game and had at least a few nice things to say about it uh, <laughs> right so I did that. I did a little bit of advertising, and and you know even before that, I was building up an audience. So I would I would go to conventions and I would demo it and uh, collect emails to build an email list. I had a Facebook page built with a, a few hundred fans, um, so that I knew that when I launched, it would have a bit of momentum uh, mm -hmm. going in. Because if if your Kickstarter doesn't fund like at least about twenty five percent in the first few days, it's it's pretty risky. Um, be pretty hit or miss, but yeah, we got uh, a really good reception, um, and uh, I think the thing that made me decide to launch it when I did was getting into the the Pack South Indie Showcase because uh, I was thinking about it and I was thinking, well, you know, I think maybe in the spring, and then I got into that and I found that out in early ish December, and I was like, oh, I I think I need to launch this right before then because I'm, there's never going to be a better time where it's just getting a ton of publicity. Right. And doing it after, I mean, you, you don't have the same momentum as if, if you're doing it there before. Right. So was that crazy then to have to, you know, get everything ready to go in, in yeah. just a few weeks? <laughs> it was a very hectic few weeks. Uh, <laughs> I was I was 
you know, ordering prototypes made and building the Kickstarter itself. And I, I was lucky enough that I have a, a friend of mine has a publishing company. He used to work at Privateer Press, uh, and he was the, one of their community managers and ran some of their Kickstarters. And now he has his own company. He Kickstarted, I think, four books last year. Uh, so I hired him as a consultant to help me build the Kickstarter. And I will come to him with my ideas and say, you know, I want to do this crazy thing. And he'll either tell me that's a terrible idea or tell me how to do it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and and since I asked him to help me and he gives me advice, I listen to his advice. I'm... <laughs> I, I, I'm not that dumb. <laughs> he gives me advice and doesn't do it. Uh, and yeah, he's he's spot on. He's and he's he's more cautious than I am about these things. Because uh, I'm like, oh yeah, it'd be great if we did this thing. And he's like, no, no, it's you're gonna spend all your money doing something silly. And I'm like, all right, all right, mm-hmm. I'm down. Or like I like and I I've been I've got this really cool stretch goal coming up. Uh, we're we're getting close to our second stretch goal, which is custom dice, which would look really cool. We're doing this little bear image on the one pip. Which looks really cool and these like little wooden dice and the next one after that like i really want to talk about um uh but i i he's he's told me to wait <laughs> to tease it out and to not tell people until we've hit the stretch goal before and oh come on you can give us a sneak peek uh, so come on it, it's something that i'm enlisting some really cool guest authors to help with guest authors wow yeah, some game designers and webcomic writers and artists uh to to help write some cool stuff that will be in the game most likely i mean i think the last i checked we were just over nine thousand, and the the dice stretch goal is ten thousand. so i i'm i'm reasonably sure that enough people will will jump on the kickstarter to to hit that before the next two and a half weeks um, all right the next one i'm like really hoping i can do though and uh check out the kickstarter and you will hear about it um okay (laughs) but yeah i'm i'm really hoping we can we can do that one because it'll be cool and uh, and i'll get to work with some some awesome people that uh that i like and right that are fun that's cool that's clever so you know you mentioned how you had been on kickstarter and and then you had these production problems with your Mm -hmm. axe game um i guess was there any major learning you took either from the, the campaign itself mm-hmm. or from the production that you were able to bring into Yukon Salon? Uh, sure. So I, I I did not have all, for Axe in my head, I did not have all of the manufacturing details worked out. Um, I kind of had a pretty good idea of what it would cost based on some, some quotes I'd had, uh, both, both that I had and that I had had from the previous publisher. Uh, but none of that was locked in place. I, I didn't have a specific production timeline. Uh, and so afterwards I had, uh, shopped around a bit. I was looking at, uh, a couple of manufacturers and then I went to origins, got some information from, uh, the manufacturer I went with, which is a 360 manufacturing, uh, who, who were at the time a subdivision of Hasbro, but then they got sold to Cardamundi. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with them, but they're, they're based in the States. Uh, so shipping was cheap and easy. Basically it was just sending a truck to the warehouse, like half a state away. Um, yeah. And, and their, their printing cost was a little higher than you'd find, uh, overseas, but, uh, with the shipping it balanced out and it would mean I could you know not spend a month with the game on the boat it would just be there uh, right. but they were so difficult to work with and they yes me to death is the problem um, so 
I would say, hey, I want the cards to be this size and the box to be this size, yada, yada, yada. And they'd be like, great, send us the artwork. So I sent them the artwork and they were like, oh no, the margins need to be this and the board needs to be this size. They Basically, everything they told they, everything that they told me yes on was not correct. And so I had to redo a bunch of stuff. And then uh, I sent them the revised artwork and they were like, oh, you have these half-size cards. We didn't mention this before, but uh, we can't do round corners on half-size cards. We have to send those out, and that's going to be an extra $1.25 a unit per <laughs> per game. If you're making, you know, it's making oh. like 2,500 games. Right. <laughs> so, wow. or, or you can make them uh, larger, and they'll just be an extra nickel a game. So I had to make them larger, and then I had to redo the part on the board where the cards sat, and the parts of the rule book that are the cards, and all the stuff that trickled down. And it was, it was super difficult to deal with and then uh the thing that got me to yell at them <laughs> was uh they had uh, a five-week turnaround and i was like all right well, let's pad that out i want to have games at gen con because gen con's important um so you know 10 weeks before i've got all right here's all the files here's everything give me proofs let's go and i was on the phone with them all the time and it did it took them five weeks just to get me a proof which had problems with it. Uh, so there's no way I was going to get my games at Gen Con. And so I was freaking out. Um, and then eventually I got it I got it made, but it, it involved me really just bugging them constantly and staying on top of them. So I'm working with a much more reliable uh, printer now. Uh, AdMagic is going to be uh, printing console on. They make tons of games. They really know their stuff. And Sherry, who who runs them, is is fantastic to work with and really knows the business. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and they handle shipping, uh, which is something I I am like a one dude sitting at home doing this. Uh, I, I I don't want to deal with the intricacies of of shipping pallets uh, of games from China and dealing with customs and all that. So I'm happy to to pay them to let them do that. <laughs> yeah that makes sense yeah so after the campaign's done what's next for Yukon Salon uh, so I'm looking at so so depending on how many games I print I will kind of decide what sort of distribution model I'm going to follow I'm, I'm actually talking to another publisher to possibly have them pick it up post campaign to get it into you know wider sales distribution Mm -hmm. um, I mean, if it winds up being a small thing and I print a thousand copies, I will put it into distribution and sell it myself and bring it to conventions and, and do the indie game designer thing. Mm -hmm. um, and if it's got a wider audience than that, I will happily, you know, try and get it into more stores and larger stores and that sort of thing. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm okay with lots of people buying this game. That would be great. Um, <laughs> and I just uh, figured out what the expansion pack's going to be. So it plays two to four players. And with an extra 18 cards, it will play up to five players. Uh, maybe six. Well, maybe six players, I have to see. Um, and so I've been tossing around uh, ideas for doing expansion. And I've got like tons of ideas of like things I could do thematically. Uh, but I just settled on it today, actually, and, and I'll be announcing what that is at the end of the Kickstarter campaign. And I'll probably mm -hmm. run a short Kickstarter for that after the games are delivered, and the game should be coming out in August. So sometime in the late fall, I may run a, a short campaign for an expansion pack. 
Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Uh, are we going to expect any other games from you as well? Uh, is this, is yes. Your one one baby for right now. <laughs> uh, well, this is this is what I have to focus on right now. But I've got a couple of prototypes that have been kicking around. I'm actually going to be at uh, ETX just as a local convention. They announced, you know, ETX. Um, I do. They, yes. They announced the Lucy Award uh, competition opening just last week. So I have a prototype that's that's pretty done that I've been kicking around for a while that I'm going to throw in that. Um, and I've got another game that I'm pretty excited to work on that's I haven't even built a prototype yet. Like I've got a ton of notes and uh, it's, uh, it's a crime themed game. I don't want to say too much until I actually have something to play. Uh, but the 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 theme of it is is uh, good people trying to stop bad people in a corrupt world. It's, that's kind of that's the the, so oh, the overarching Batman? theme. <laughs> kind of, kind of. That kind of um, could be pretty much anything, I guess. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that one's a mix of card mechanics and uh, uh, what's it called social deduction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I, it's influenced by things like coup and uh, you know a lot of the a lot of the social reduction co-op games with the traitor mechanic like you know Battlestar Galactica and that kind of stuff and and right. the, and then things on the other hand like uh, Bonanza which is like a, I don't know if you ever played that it's like a bean farming game oh I love Bonanza uh, yes but it's like Bonanza except with uh, you know criminal activities instead of beans <laughs> oh I look forward to that. Yes. <laughs> So, David, as a, a published game designer now mm-hmm. and uh, with someone who has many years' experience, what advice would you have for someone who's just getting started? Uh, for Well, for game design, uh, make something, get it to the table and play it, and, and don't be too precious about your ideas because there's a big difference between uh, what I've heard referred to as theory crafting and actually like refining a game um and and look at what other people done i mean we there's such the such a huge community of of game designers and developers both uh online and if you're fortunate enough enough to live where there there are folks physically there that's that's even better you look at what people have done and and see what they've done right and find out what resonates with you uh for running a kickstarter there's uh, there's a lot of resources online. I mean, uh, Jamie Stagmeyer's blog is fantastic. There's uh, there's groups on Facebook that you can find if you look for game designers and developers that you can find advice on and find a community of people to bounce ideas off of. And just look at look at successful Kickstarters and see what they do and how they communicate with their audience and how they uh, how they show what their game is about. Um, you can look at their videos, look at uh, the descriptions. I think it's great if you can offer someone a, a print-and-play version of your game. And and if you're interested in playing Yukon's Lawn, there's a print-and-play version on, on our Kickstarter page. Uh, so you can, just, you can just try it out for free. Um, see if you like it. And then if, if you do, get the version that has, like, the nice printed cards and the dice and all the cool stuff. Oh, there, yeah, there you go. Uh, all right. Well, good advice. A nice little plug there at the end. I like that. <laughs> I'm a shameless well, self-promoter. Well, I, hey, that's why you're here. <laughs> yes. And actually, I should state that's not why you're here. Because the true reason you're here, whether you know it or not, is to play the game design challenge. Uh-oh. <laughs> so here's how this works. I'm going to pick a random game theme. 
Mm-hmm. I'm going to present that theme to you, and then I want you to think about it, chew it over, and pitch back to me what on earth that game might be. All right. I'm, for that. I'm, I'm as ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> unless, okay. you, unless you want to wait for me to go get some whiskey, because then that'll be <laughs> yeah. more interesting. Yeah, you know, this is better done not sober, <laughs> but right. it's too late. Damn. Okay. So we're going to find a theme. That theme is going to be... Okay, it's a good one. This inbox will be the death of me. <laughs> this inbox will be the death of me. Um, well, I mean, that that evokes uh, email management to me, which isn't the most exciting theme, but maybe, maybe the emails have some sort of impact that... Uh, that you have to take care of or or suffer the consequences <laughs> um maybe it's uh maybe if you don't manage your emails by the end of the day you'll get fired okay. uh so it's sort of a beat the clock and and solve these things um mechanically how would you deal with emails um well you might have to put the right attachments on an email that's okay. something you do. You might have to make sure you reply to the right amount of people. Right. Uh, don't re- hit reply all or hit reply <laughs> all. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, there could be. So you could do that with cards. Maybe you have a deck of, of emails that come up. Like maybe the deck is your inbox. Right. And each card you, you pick up is an email that you have to solve somehow by either adding elements to it or I don't know if you'd have to do something outside of the email or not. I mean, maybe, maybe the email could instruct you to go do something else. I mean, it depends how complicated you want to get with it. I mean, could it, would it be a co-op game? Maybe, maybe you're a, a team at work who has to deal with his inbox. Uh, or right. maybe you're just like, maybe, maybe you know that someone's going to get fired and <laughs> you want to be not that not it uh, or i mean you could it could be the thing that that is verboten in game design these days player elimination uh all oh, right which, which is fine in short games uh like right. if the game's going to be 10 minutes long and people are going to get whittled down that's not so bad um right who does that pretty well um right right exactly. the, la- the last couple rounds you start getting eliminated um unless everybody hates you yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I kind of I kind of like this idea a little more competitive. Maybe you're you're trying to be maybe you know the company is downsizing. That's, that's <laughs> depressing because I've been in that situation, man. Um, <laughs> maybe the company's downsizing and there's only room for one person left on the team, and and, and whoever has the 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 least emails in their inbox at the end of the day and has correctly resolved them uh, will keep their job. Wow. There. I like it. There's, so it's a, it's a race to get through the inbox. Yeah, yeah, and and you can't. And I think if you mess up, it it's a mark against you, right? Like if you hit reply all and put the wrong attachment on the email, then, <laughs> then you're out of here, buddy. You're, you're tossed. <laughs> oh, I love it. Nice. All right. Well, all right. that sounds miserable. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Thanks. All right. Well, David, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Yeah. Likewise. Thanks for for having me on here. Oh, yeah, my pleasure. And uh, best of luck with you on uh, Yukon Salon and the rest of your Kickstarter campaign. Thank you. Well, that was David Fudin, the designer of Yukon Salon, currently on Kickstarter. 
You've been listening to Your Tables on Fire. You can find our website at www.yourtablesonfire.com. Go there for a link straight to David's game. You can also follow us on Twitter, at TableFire. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and even BoardGameGeek. Hit us up on any of those sites and give us a review. We'd love to hear what you think. Well, until next time, go light it up. Mm.